podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and myself, Ben Hocking. Valtteri Bottas. Oh, Valtteri Bottas. Oh, Valtteri. Oh, 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 Valtteri. He did it. (laughs) He did it. For the first time in 2021, Valtteri Bottas has gone on to win a Grand Prix. Just a heads up, we are recording this directly after the race, so if in a few hours' time he gets a post-race penalty for something, we're going to have to backtrack on a lot of what he's saying here. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas winning a Grand Prix. Now, folks, there are going to be some of you that have been listening for a while, uh, throughout the entirety of this season, and thank you for your continued support. And you might well remember something from the beginning of this season, where we did a predictions podcast right before the season got underway, and... Um, I'd like to play for you now a very short interlude from from one of those podcasts. Take a listen. So um, I know it's the start of the season. I know that we haven't actually had any any racing yet, but um, I'm going to make a pretty bold prediction here. I don't think that uh, <laughs> I don't think that Valtteri Bottas is going to win another race in Formula One again this season or ever again. So. Um, Ever, ever again. again. I don't. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Like 2018, uh, I don't think he'll get a race this season. I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. So, um, if it happens, then I don't know. Maybe we'll have to come up with some kind of forfeit. But yeah, I, I just don't see him standing on the top spot ever again. That right there was Samuel Sage <laughs> predicting. <laughs> That Valtteri Bottas would never win a Grand Prix ever again. And there were a lot of hairy moments throughout this season. Oh, it was looking more and more like that might actually come true. He didn't win his halo, his halo turf of, uh, of Russia. We know he's moving on next year away from a race winning car. So it looked more and more like he might be onto something. But Sam, today is the day where you eat your words, I'm afraid. Uh, I'll eat them happily. I'll, I'll be gracious in it. I mean, Big Valtteri, on International Porridge Day, of all days, the <laughs> level 200 porridge bodies has come through and won a race. And you know what? Uh, I, this is one I'm happy to, to take the big L on, to lose on, because he deserves it. He deserves it. The man drove a bloody good race. He's had so many podiums. Um, and it was it was fun. And every single lap that it ticked down... I was thinking, here we go. I have to deal with this now for weeks and weeks on end. And it got, and then, and then we had that moment where Charles Leclerc was like, "Boys, should I should just stay out." And Ferrari suddenly decided that was actually a possible strategy, which they clearly hadn't thought of themselves. And I thought, "Hang on, I might be safe. It, Leclerc might win this." And then he locked up twice, and the gap was suddenly nine tenths. And Bottas drove on. So I guess the hashtag should now be hashtag. Please, more bodies, because the man's done it. Well done, Valtteri. I'll eat a bowl of porridge just for you. I don't even like porridge, but I'll do it for you, mate. Deserved. Maybe this will uh, unlock a streak of winning, and now Bottas will win every race till the end of the That'd season. Impressive. 
this is it, and then he goes off to Alfa Romeo, and it, you know, he shouldn't have been replaced. Unlikely. It's unlikely. Maybe not, but we'll take the win today, regardless. Um, and for those of you, for those of you in the Discord, um, a lot of you in there now. So thank you for that. Um, Sam is going to put a poll in there to determine what is uh, what is his forfeit for Valtteri Bottas finally claiming a base race victory. So um, I'm not sure what the options are going to be, Sam, but I'll, I'll let you get I think, thinking on that I one. think what we'll do, folks, if you're interested in joining this decision on what a silly forfeit might be, it's not going to be anything permanent and it won't be anything to do with my hair, thank you, before we get into silly hair dyeing, I have to go to work and do normal things. Um, but... I will happily ask for suggestions in the in the Discord chat, and then we'll have a look at those suggestions, and we'll create a poll out of the best three or four. And then, um, in the short term future, there will be some kind of silly forfeit. You don't make a prediction that bold at the start of the season, and then not have to pay the price when eventually it doesn't go your way. I'd like to thank myself for thinking that it went on for this long, actually. So thanks, Bottas, for keeping it spicy. Who would have thought we'd get this many races into the season? And I was. I was almost there. I was. I think this might have been the last time that it could have happened. So we almost got it. So yeah, get to the Discord. Join in for the forfeit. And there's going to be lots of silliness around uh, hashtag bodies for the future. I I reckon it's because they cancelled Canada. And he was just doing it by the race number. And he thought, ah. oh, this one will be Russia. <laughs> and uh, that's why he's out of sync for the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks next week, next week there races Turkey, and then it'll spin a lot in, in, in the USA. It, it, it's been like when, when time in England, folks, we have um, British summertime, and we have you know the, the time goes back by an hour in, the, in in autumn. The time goes forward an hour in spring for farmers and whatnot. And Bottas is like he's on the Greenwich Mean Time plus one for the whole season, and it might reset when we get to the end of the year. Bless him, he's just out of sync. <laughs> what happens at the end of the year when he's expecting Abu Dhabi that there isn't a race because he's just done it thinking it's thinking it's the race? He'll just be there on his Arabia. own driving around. Oh, bless him. Anyway, Valtteri Bottas is of course going to make up a, uh, a large chunk of what we discussed today after his victory, of course, and we'll also be discussing uh, how Red Bull got on in their fight versus Mercedes. Of course, the championship battle uh, it swings once again this time in the favour of Max Verstappen. Uh, what are we up to now? Is it uh, six points? Are we up to six points yeah. now? Yeah. Six points Max Verstappen has yeah. a lead by, which of course is a fewer amount of points versus a first versus a second place finish in a Grand Prix. So it's still very, very close between the two drivers. Max Verstappen coming home second. In the end, quite a long way off Valtteri Bottas. He did keep him honest, at least for the first half of the Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton eventually finishing P5. Was P3 before he made his pit stop. A controversial decision, which is going to make up our first main topic today. So, Sam, do you think Mercedes made an error in pitting Lewis Hamilton from third and eventually ending up finishing fifth? Uh with anything in Formula 1, it is so hard to give a de- definitive answer and we can't see the parallel history of what might have happened had Lewis Hamilton just stayed out for the rest of the race. Um, I would be inclined to trust the seven-time world champion when he is quite adamant about something. Uh, Hamilton doesn't often make too many incredibly bad strategy calls and the threat of rain, as much as it was kind of there for the whole race, it was never materialising. The, the comments of... You know, or it's raining a bit more at turn 9, or it's raining a bit more at like, turn 12, whatever it is. Um, they really subsided in the last 10, 15 laps. And Mercedes never wants to go over the radio that we heard anyway. 
Rain is coming. You know, we are really under threat of rain. We need to come in in case it does track it down or we're going to lose everything. We never had that threat. Like, much like we did in Russia the other way round when it was dry for the start of the race and then got very wet at the end. And they made a brilliant call then and Lewis listened. And this is why I think maybe he came in this time around because of how good the call was last time. Um, but yeah, I think... I think they should have trusted in Lewis Hamilton. I think they should have trusted in the seven-time champ. You don't get to 100 Formula 1 victories without being a bit savvy behind the wheel. And, you know, if he got overtaken by Leclerc and Perez, then he ends up in the same place that he would have been if he had pitted anyway. And they really relied on the fact that these intermediates, which have been proven multiple times from multiple drivers, they go off very quickly and you have to wear them in and then you get the level of performance that you actually want from that tyre with how the track was working. Ricardo was the big the big starter on that. Alonso had the same issue. Then a few of the top runners, they also saw the same problem. Charles Leclerc right in front of Hamilton, we saw exactly that. And then Leclerc drove off by three, four seconds. Um, so I think it would have made sense to take the risk. You were finishing maybe P3, P4. You definitely could have gained a couple of points on this and the gap would have been smaller. I think Hamilton has every right to be very frustrated with what was going on because, of course, I don't think he even knew what position he was in when he came out of the pits. I think for a moment he thought, I've managed to come back out in the same space that I'm in and we're fine. No problem. Uh, which, of course, wasn't the case. So, yeah, I think Mercedes have lost Lewis Hamilton points today, but there's no guarantee. It makes sense to be safe. It's still damage limitation. They still moved up six places in the race in the gap, as we've already disclosed. It's only six points of the Drivers' Championship if we go to USA, where Hamilton has been pretty spectacular over the previous years. So... Yes, frustrating for Lewis. Not a bad day for Mercedes. And I think they can be quite happy knowing that they're going to another positive track for themselves where the gap is very, very small and could easily turn once again. So, frustrating, but not the end of the world. What do you think, Harry? Do you think that this was a uh, an error on Mercedes' part? Um, I think it was the right call, but they didn't make it early enough. And I know they did try, and Hamilton wanted to stay out. But... Um... But playing it, I think this this was a damage limitation race, and I get what Hamilton was saying. He was keeping up on pace, but Ocon, and I know they are different in different cars, but Ocon in the last few laps dropped through the order like a stone. He lost, uh, and th- this is courtesy of Chris Medlin, so thank you, Chris. He lost 50 seconds in the in 14 what? laps to uh, signs in eighth. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Isn't it? I completely missed it. So. I guess if they, if, you know, Mercedes will use that as their argument to, to Lewis tonight um, as to why they brought him in. And, isn't you know, impossible to say whether that would have happened to Lewis. But if he had, this would have been, if that had happened to him, that would have been an even worse. And it's not a horrible result, but could have been worse than it was. And, yeah, but so I think they should have made it earlier because... Last couple of laps, he started to pull away from Gasly again because he was, he was starting to get through that phase and, and rein in Perez. Um, so if they had... I know they were having discussions on the radio. Um, and maybe they'd called it even earlier than that. Then he might he might have still been able to, to, to get back past Perez, Leclerc. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a very tricky one. But it was clear to see that there was a phase you had to go through when you put these new tyres on. And with 10 laps to go, I think at that point, maybe they should have actually, maybe they should have left him. But I think overall, it was the right call to to, to bring him in because they couldn't have afforded an Ocon-style drop uh, through the field because he may have lost even more points to Verstappen than he did. Um, so yeah, it wasn't ideal damage limitation, but it was still damage limitation in some form. And they're you know, fortunate that Bottas turned up today. Um, 
because they denied Verstappen an extra uh, seven points. True, and I mean, if we're speaking in terms of Constructors' Championship, Mercedes actually won the day overall thanks to Bottas's win. So, at least Constructors-wise, it's uh, no damage done. In fact, uh, lead extended. It's ironic that we're recording this one after the last Grand Prix, which was the, the Russian Grand Prix, um, where one of the main talking points was Lando Norris's decision late in the race, uh, where he went against his team's advice. Uh, and actually, this is a pretty similar situation in that Lewis Hamilton went against his team's advice to come in. Um, he didn't the second time around, but he did the first time around. And ultimately, I think that's probably what cost him the most here, is that they should have he should have listened to them the first time around. And we said with the Norris situation, uh, not that Norris was blameless, but the team did not do enough to be more forthcoming about what they thought was the best strategy decision. In Russia, they went over the team radio and stated, you know, what, what do you think about the Inters? What, what do you think we should do? Should we stay on the slicks? And, and ultimately... You know that they they suffered as a result of that. Here, Mercedes and Bono particularly, they were much more direct about it. They said, "Box, box." You know, this is what we should do. And Lewis Hamilton went against the strategy. Now, Mercedes possibly should have gone back to him with a bit more vigor. Maybe they should have, you know, stressed their point a bit more. But ultimately, Hamilton went against a, a team order and. I think that was the wrong decision because we, we're speaking about the intermediate tyres. We could tell that they, the new intermediate tyres were going to be stronger. But yes, you're right. That graining stage, that's the difficult part to get through. The fewer laps you have left, the the bigger the percentage of laps in those conditions you have to do. If you come in with eight laps to go and, and the graining is going to last six laps or something along those lines, then 75% of your laps are going to be done under those horrible conditions. If you pit with 20 to go, then suddenly it's a much lesser percentage of time that you have to that you have to go through that stage and and ultimately yeah if if he pits the first time around i think that's probably the best call in terms of yeah he probably still loses out to perez because of how red bull reacted straight away but it would have been the almost a hybrid strategy between keeping somewhat aggressive but also playing it safe enough that he's not out there on completely worn tires Let's forget about the first time he tried it. Uh, sorry, the team tried it and Hamilton turned it down and go to the second time where he did actually listen. Um, firstly, I don't think he was aware, as Jensen Button rightly picked up in the UK commentary, I don't think he was aware of what would happen if he came into the pits, what positions he would lose. I don't hold that against Hamilton at all. I don't think it's his responsibility to know exactly what the strategic impact of a decision would be. That's the job of the pit wall. Um and when he realised, obviously he was pretty angry, uh, and he wasn't at all wasn't at all happy with the team for for making that decision where he's lost two positions. At that point in time, I don't think it was the right decision at all because, like I say, if you, if you have to go through that graining stage and you know it's going to happen, you just don't have the laps at the end of the race in order to make it back up again. And yes, like like what happened with Vesterban Ocon, you might have a situation where the tyres fall off a cliff, but is that really that much worse than the, that graining he was going through? I, I don't think there's much in it, to be quite honest. And this goes back to the point that Sam made in that, yeah, you know, if you stay out, maybe you get overtaken by Perez, maybe you get overtaken by Leclerc. So what? It's the same result as if he pits anyway. And at least you're then asking the question as to whether that happens or not. 
if you just pit and and leave it there, you you almost you completely remove the possibility of it. Maybe it doesn't go well, but you've at least got to give it a chance at that point. And I know the Esteban Ocon comparison is valid to an extent, but we have to consider that the car that Hamilton is driving downforce-wise is going to be much better suited, and Hamilton particularly is a much better driver than Esteban Ocon. So if I had to trust anyone to hold on with awful tyres at the end of the Grand Prix... I'm putting my money on Lewis Hamilton. So I think at the point in the race where they made the decision, it was not correct. And for me, one of the most interesting things is going into the race weekend, obviously you've got plenty of phrases flying around from team bosses and such. One that really stuck with me was from Toto Wolff, where he said that Mercedes from now until the end of the season were going to remain aggressive. And I, yes, aggression wins in Formula 1, aggression wins in sport. I I thought it was a great thing to say, and I completely agree with it. The decision that they made was possibly the most defensive play they could make at that point. They went with the safest possible option, and they lost points as a result of it, I believe. I think think they might well have lost one position, but I don't know if they'll have lost two. And again, even if they do lose two, it cancels itself out. So, first time around, I think Hamilton was wrong to disobey the team. Second time around, I think the team were wrong to suggest the strategy. That's interesting. I also think something that's quite curious, which um, we've seen a lot in the last couple of years, and I'm talking about reactions here, and talking about the emotion of the drivers themselves. When we've seen the likes of Norris getting his first pole, or when Gasly got that victory, or when Leclerc got his, for example, a lot of people uh, brought up, oh, you know, I miss this emotion, I miss this feeling of being on top, or, you know, wanting that victory. And people have often criticised Hamilton for not being emotive enough when it comes to being successful or showing that desire for the title but I think today we saw that first little bit of emotional outburst over the radio he was properly frustrated with his team at that point we saw proper swearing we saw you know get out my headset leave me alone I do not want to talk to you right now I'm the seven-time world champion and you've just mucked this up for me and if this comes down to a six-point deficit at the end of the title um, and I could have made up those points in this race that's on you. It felt like Hamilton today properly showed how much he cares about winning an eighth world title. That that passion isn't gone even this late into his career, which is is lovely to see because he does keep himself to himself a little bit when things are going well. So I think it was brilliant to see a little bit of fire over the radio from Hamilton today. It showed how much he wants this. Yeah, no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, looking at the other side of the Mercedes garage, of course, Valtteri Bottas, as we've already mentioned and laughed at Sam for, uh, Valtteri Bottas did take the race win. He did so by a pretty comfortable margin in the end. It was hovering around three seconds in that uh, sort of first half of the race, but after the pit stops were made, Bottas was able to extend the gap. So Sam, given he technically got pole position, but he was beaten in qualifying, how impressed were you by Valtteri Bottas this weekend? I was floored by Valtteri Bottas this weekend. That was one of the best performances I've seen from Valtteri Bottas in a long time. The man was calm. He was dominant. He had everything under his control. He kept the gap to Max Verstappen. You know, we heard Jenkson Button in the, in the British comms box on Sky Sports say that we're watching two of the greatest of all time going at it this season, Verstappen and Hamilton. I think that's still a little bit harsh, uh, a bit quick to judge on Verstappen just yet, but I can understand the level that he's driving at. And he just kept him in his back pocket, lap after lap after lap. At one point, we heard over the radio, uh, OK, Max, you've kept the temps and the tyres in the right condition. You can go for it now. 
The gap came down by about eight tenths, and then it never came down anymore. And Valtteri Bottas just went, all right, I'm going to go faster now. Especially this time last year, where Bottas spang five times. Crofty did enough mentioning of that across the entire race period. And Bottas, in the wet conditions, it's... You would think that it would favour him, but he's never really excelled massively in wet weather conditions and damp conditions. But here, the level of control was spectacular. Not a single mistake made from Valtteri Bottas. He led every single thing he needed to. When he came up to Charles Leclerc after the pit phase, he got the move done brilliantly. It was well executed. The guy was fantastic from start to finish. And uh, I, I wish he could bring that every weekend because I think he would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but this was great to see from Valtteri. And if, he's, if this isn't the last win that he gets at Mercedes, then um, I think he can chalk that down with a very, very good one. He'll be very pleased with himself for it. How impressive was Bottas, Harry? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, the best maybe he's been all year. And yeah, yeah, I appreciate he didn't actually get the fastest time in quality, but he was there or there, there or thereabouts. Um, and yeah, just during the race today, he, as Sam said, he always had an answer for 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 Verstappen. Um, yeah, it, he was just very good, very good at conserving his tyres and always had always had the pace to to keep Verstappen at bay. I mean, it was never apart from at the start, it never really got under three seconds or, or you know two and a half seconds. And from there on in, he just he just waltzed off into the distance. So um, yeah, it was a very Valtteri Bottas way. He doesn't win races any other way, it seems, but it was a very Valtteri Bottas way to win uh, a race. And, you know, yeah, that his, is his last F1 victory. And, yeah, I think that's very very fitting uh, fitting one for him to win, especially after last year's performance at Turkey. So, um, yeah, it was very good to see him back. Um, and it does prove that he is a good driver. He's just been up against some tough competition for most of the time. So, um, yeah, glad to see it. Well done, well done Walter. Um, and not just because it proves I'm wrong, but I'm happy to see him <laughs> get a win before he uh, departs to Alfa Romeo next year. Uh, speaking of Alfa Romeo, they have absolutely nailed this in terms of getting Valtteri Bottas on a multi-year deal. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But a lot of people seem to think that Valtteri Bottas is is worse than what he is, thanks to what he's gone through at Mercedes versus Lewis Hamilton. And I've been, you know, I've been pretty critical of Valtteri this year. I don't think it's been a great one at all, but there have been good years for him at Mercedes, um, particularly, you know, 2017, 2019. And when he's on it, you're right. He is absolutely on it. And there are going to be those that, that question this win and say, well, would he have won if Lewis Hamilton was there? Lewis Hamilton did get the fastest time in qualifying. Lewis Hamilton seemed pretty quick in the first half of the race when he was not in traffic. And to that, I would say, so what? It's Formula One. That happens. It's it's whataboutism. And I, I'm not interested in that. Occasionally, it's not going to go wrong. It's not going to go right for your teammate. And all you can do is drive your own race and capitalise on it. And that's what he did. And ultimately, it would have been very interesting to see. I think it, it's a weird one. I think beforehand, before the race... Valtteri Bottas was probably thinking, why is it raining? Why is it raining? Verstappen is brilliant in the wet. I know I've got the car to win in the dry. Come on, God, what are you doing? But as the race went on, I think he can probably be quite thankful that it was wet because as a result of that, Lewis Hamilton in the dry might well have got up to P2, in which case Mercedes might well have said, 
Whoop, let's uh, let's have ourselves a little switch just for the hell of it. Why not? Um, or they would have brought Bottas in for an emergency pit stop for um, safety reasons. <laughs> but ultimately, they did. They didn't have the gap to do that. They didn't have the position to do that. So actually, I think as the race went on, he was probably quite thankful that it was a wet one. He was great, and the commentary team made a big deal of Verstappen when he was closing up the gap. It, it, it was periodic, you know. Verstappen, oh, he was. He was half a tenth quicker on that last lap. Oh, Verstappen, he was four tenths quicker on that last lap. They didn't mention quite as much when Bottas then said okay and responded over the next few laps and put that gap back to where it was. I don't think he got the credit that he deserved, actually, from the UK comms team on that because, yeah, it did get down to about two seconds at one point and then it went back up to three seconds and it just seemed so well managed. It was very, dare I say, it was very Hamilton-esque the way that he managed that Grand Prix in that you always felt that even with that lead coming down at certain points in the Grand Prix, that he always had the pace in hand. He had one very minor moment going into turn one where he had a, he had a, he just had a very snap of oversteer and he almost lost it. But apart from that, you couldn't pick out another moment in the Grand Prix where he seemed to be in jeopardy. He responded to the Red Bull pit stop right away, which was the correct thing to do. And actually in that second stint, he just extended and extended and extended and to the point where the lead was double digits rather than just a couple of seconds. So, uh, and of course the fastest lap to boot as well. He was, he was brilliant out there. He was absolutely brilliant. And I, and like I said at the beginning of this, Alfa Romeo, they've got themselves a steal. I really think they do. Or is it Andretti racing? Rumor mill speaking. Oh, yeah, we might have something to, to talk about midweek. Check out that podcast when it comes out. That might well be a topic. Actually, no, knowing our luck, it will be confirmed like an hour before we record. (laughs) Don't don't worry about that. Regardless, Bottas has got to be a contender for sure. But Sam, after giving Bottas worst driver of the day about 26,000 times, is he getting your driver of the day? There are a good few contenders. We have some real standout performances across the Turkish Grand Prix. But my driver of the day today is go on you can do it you can do it Valtteri Bottas oh god I can't believe it he's finally done it he deserves it he goes from his biggest critic ever me uh, you people in the discord seem to think oh there it is yes Valtteri Um, 10 seconds bit late there it's okay it's it's clearly a delay in the podcast I just wasn't ready, all right? Oh, it's, it's taken the world by storm. The shock, the echoes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm arguably one of his British, biggest critics. And I think it's always, I've always really liked Bottas. So to see him actually prove me wrong, I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and it's great. And I hope everyone in the Discord, when you hear this, you can have some fun mocking me with it. But the guy was flawless today. Even with that snap of oversteer, it's a snap of oversteer. You know, we saw Hamilton have 43 snaps of oversteer. Sometimes it's just better to push the car. And he caught it. He was flawless. He was absolutely brilliant. And I hope we see this level of performance from him for the rest of the season. Because you never know, he could be a regular threat on the top step of the podium if things go his way. So, yeah, big up Valtteri. Porridge, level oh. 2,000. You're the king today. National Porridge Day. You couldn't make it up, could you? Um... Bottas is definitely a contender for me, but I am going to, for once, and this very rarely happens, I'm going to agree with the people. I'm going to agree with the masses. I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. He did a brilliant job 
of getting through the field. He was setting fastest lap after fastest lap in that second stint when he had a bit of a uh, bit of air as well. So yeah, he was able to make the overtakes when he needed to. Apart from the Vettel one, which was a little bit clumsy, but the rest of them were all pretty clinical. Um, and he did what he had to do. Started P19, finished P8. It's pretty rare as well that I'll actually pick a driver who started at the back and made their way through the field as driver of the day. But since it wasn't Sainz's fault that he was there to begin with, I'll give it to him. But yeah, Bottas a contender. The other one I'll mention is is Charles Leclerc. Didn't quite finish on the podium, but he, he had good pace all, all weekend. And he was right there with Verstappen um, lap after lap. So those three would be the standouts, I think, for me. What about you, Harry? Yeah, shockingly, I, I, I'm agreeing with Ben and the people, and that is nothing against Valtteri Bottas at all, because I think he is a huge contender for Drive of the Day, and ironic that the only person giving him Drive of the Day I is Sam. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought Sainz was, was really impressive. Uh, yeah, like you say, Ben, there was only one clumsy move on, on Vettel, um, and actually I think without that, potentially without that rubbish pit stop he had, which was about eight seconds, where they just held him, I'm not entirely sure why, Ferrari. Um, yeah, without that, I think maybe he could have been slightly further up. But yeah, I thought it was a very impressive, impressive drive through the field. And we've talked about it before, but to, to you know, be separate. I don't know if he is. Is he ahead or behind the? Claire? He is ahead behind by point half a point. By half yeah. a point. <laughs> yeah, I think we all, none of us would have expected that um, at the beginning of the season. So yeah. Uh, I will give it to Carlos Sainz. I mean, even when you can do a good job in the face of your own team, Ferrari, you're doing all right, aren't you? Worst driver of the day. Who have you got, Sam? Um, now, this one pains me to say it. I've, I'm going to have to give it to two-time world champ, Big Fernando. Um, I'm doing the dance with a sad face today, folks, the two-time world champ dance. Um, yeah, this one's tough. I mean, he got tagged on the outside, and we're going to talk about the Gasly penalty later on, folks, because I know there are some strong opinions on that one. So he went around the outside, and I think that was a great move. I think that I really enjoyed how he put his car there, and I actually think that the move was completely fair, and he had every right to be there. Um, he got tagged, so he's at the back, and he starts to make his way through the grid. Well, he tries to. He gets to Schumacher, who he just absolutely plows off the road. Um, literally goes, get out of my way. What are you doing? I'm not going around you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to drive into you and hope you disappear. Poor Mick, who still managed to beat his teammate, I think, by 20 seconds, despite facing the wrong way, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then he just never really progressed up the grid. Uh, Vettel had the terrible time on the mediums, and I think should be a call for one of the worst drivers of the day. And yet Alonso got past him. And then Latifi, he beat him as well. But that was it. It was just a really not a standout performance from Fernando. The strategy never really seemed to be there after the issue. We had the penalty they had to contend with, which I think was deserved. Um, it was all just a little bit a bit rubbish from Fernando, which is really rubbish to say, because when he first started, he was alongside Gazi for a split second. I thought, hang on a minute, Fernando's actually going to be in a podium position. What's going on? Um, but no, not to be. So yeah, Fernando Alonso, worst driver of the day. I think for me, there are three contenders who actually have six world championships between them. So they are Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel and Nikita Mazepin. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, Ma- Mazepin was like a pit stop behind Schumacher, which appears to be the norm nowadays. And ultimately, he has to be marked down for not quite understanding how blue flags work. Um 
It's, it's even worse considering his teammate was directly behind him, showing this is how you get out of the way. This, this is how you do it. This is... Uh, no, no, that's not how... No, you've nearly crashed there. That's not how you do it. Um, Multiple so, times. yeah, that is... That is one of them, um, but I'm, I'm going to save him today. It won't be Mazepin today. I think it's either Vettel or Alonso. Even with the venture out into soft tyre conditions, which, by the way, might be the worst strategic decision I've seen in a long, long time. Um, even before that, though, he was a long way behind his teammate and wasn't really that competitive. So I'll go with semi-vet today. Harry, who are you going for? Um, I am going to give it to, and I feel sad about this, but we're only basing it on today, uh, little Yuki Tsunoda. Um, because, and, and, and he was having such a promising race. He kept Hamilton behind for, a, like, seven laps, or maybe six laps or something, which is, you know, not easy to do. And then he had a little spin, and then he was, and then he was nowhere for, for the, for the rest of the race. And Gasly was, you know, up there in, was he P5? P6? Yeah. P6. Um... Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, actually, I think it was a more encouraging weekend overall. But uh, yeah, it was just a shame that he couldn't execute the race. Weirdly, uh, and this is not related to why I've given him Ross Driver of the Day, but do you know who his driver coach is this weekend? Me? No. <laughs> it's Alex Albon. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Yuki, just do a spin over there. I think that would do your race a really good job, actually. <laughs> And then on lap thirty, do a spin. Now, what if you? This is the most important part. If you just sign this letter here, resigning from the team, this will really help you out, Yuki. I promise you. Okay, Alex. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sure okay. Can. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thanks so much for your help, Alex. It really means a lot. Don't don't worry about it, Yuki. Don't worry about it, mate. That's it's all bizarre. Good. How is that not yeah. a bigger story? I had no idea. Don't know, Ted. Ted oh, on Ted's Ted. Watch on YouTube, folks, if you can't see it. Um, yeah, he just, just dropped that little gem. I was like, oh, right, sure. Alex Albon is a driver coach. Alex Albon, the one who got dumped from Red Bull, coaching the junior driver at Red Bull. But sure. Yeah. Okay. You go for it. Oh, well, I'm sure. I, I know a driver that <laughs> might well be wanting to step into that driver coach role. Uh, Danny Kvyat's back again, everyone. <laughs> you can't roll. keep him away. The torpedo's yeah. there. I have to say, just on a, a slightly more serious point, with Yuki Tsunoda, you're right that it was more encouraging and that you know he did a good job of holding Hamilton behind him. Definitely a better job than the other drivers he overtook did. <laughs> it was looking like this, this could be the race weekend where he could do a better job. And he end, I think he ended up like a minute and ten seconds behind oh, his teammate. He was pretty It's tough. Very tough. Um, moment of the race, Sam, who have you got? Or what have you got? Well, for a while I was thinking that it had to be Lewis Hamilton simply demanding why over the team radio when they asked if he wanted to pit, which I just thought was hilarious. His tone of voice was like a child speaking to his like I don't know, his teacher or something when he'd been asked something, he went, Why? It's so you're an idiot, mate. What are you doing? But actually, I think my moment of the race is actually just going to be Ted for the entire Grand Prix weekend. He started the, the race with going, um, you know, this is going to be hilarious. All the drivers going to have a horrible time. Can't wait to watch some spins. Um, and then, 
when they were talking about the weather halfway through the race, and Jenkson Button was talking about it, Ted just goes, sorry, Jenkson, we don't all live in LA, in our lovely big houses. Some of us have to still live in England. And he absolutely smoked him. And I was like, all right, Ted with the sass. So it actually isn't to do with the racing. Um, it's to do with Big Ted. And he was being, I think, brilliant all season every time he's turned up to a Grand Prix. And he was fantastic again today. So, Ted, thank you for bringing the entertainment. Honestly, those uh, those of you not watching on, on Sky Sports in the UK, you are missing out. Big Ted Kravitz. He's a saving grace. Harry, your moment of the race. Um, I've got two that I can't really choose between. But the first one is actually genuine track on track action, which was the tasty little battle between Checo and Hamilton. And fair play to Checo for not giving up. I thought it was very, very, very tasty indeed. And, you know very easy for those two to have an incident and for F on Twitter to have a meltdown but they didn't and it was all clean and fair and it was good but I think the one that is going to be of the race for me is the one that sent me into a fit of laughter <laughs> which was Charles Leclerc asking on the radio if if <laughs> if he didn't pit where he might end up thinking like at this pace and his engineer came back and said well if you keep P2 behind you you'll win mate I'm like that's not what he wanted jeez oh, thanks for that if you don't get overtaken, you'll stay Mind in the same place. Playing. Brilliant. Thank you, Ferrari, again. <laughs> thanks thanks for, the, for confirming that one to me, engineer. I didn't know how motorsport yeah, works until this point. Brilliant. <laughs> it, it says a lot that I've got three potential moments of the race, and two of them are related to Ferrari's team radio. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I would say that one, again, that sent me as well. Um, the, the other one of, of Leclerc being like, you know what? You know what? Just just, just bear, listen to me here, team. All right? just, just listen for a second. Let, let me in here. What if we don't pit? And then Ferrari like, oh, wow. Oh. We'll have to come <laughs> back to you on that one, Charles. We hadn't thought of that. Jeez. I like that it was just silence the first time. They were like, all on the pit wall again. What? The ghost stop? (laughs) (laughs) I I loved it. Um, The moment of the race is the one that you didn't pick, though, Harry, for me. And that was the the, the Perez and Hamilton battle. Um, It it was so good. And it did Perez absolutely... It it did Perez the world of good in the eyes of Red Bull, I'm sure, because it was... um, yeah, helped him out a lot. Showed a lot of fight in in that. Could have very easily given that up. Had to, you know, almost go into the pit lane in order to keep the position. Um, but he was forced out there. So, yeah, he, he was brilliant in that in that little stretch. And we're going to talk about Red Bull actually uh, coming up next. So Max Verstappen ended up finishing P two. Harry, do you think that? he should be happy about this result because ultimately he's got the championship lead back. He's got a bit of a buffer in six points, but in a race where Hamilton takes a penalty, he doesn't go on to win. What do you think? Yeah, I think pre, maybe pre race weekend. Um, I, I don't know if they knew about the penalty, but it was on the cards, wasn't it? I think maybe Verstappen would have hoped for a win. And you know, how, if Hamilton was in fifth, that'd be amazing for him. But in second, he'd still take a bigger, bigger points lead than he has already. Um, but I, I don't know. I think after Friday, it was clear that Red Bull weren't on the pace of Mercedes, and I think this is probably. And you know, even in the race today, once Hamilton had got past 
Sonoda, Stroll, Norris, and he absolutely flew past them after a few laps behind Yuki. Um, I think, it, you know, a lot of us were thinking Hamilton could go on to win the race entirely because he's got so much pace. And that Mercedes was is, was clearly performing better than the Red Bull. Um, you know, Verstappen, every time he tried, to, we've already said, every time he tried to chip away at Bottas, Bottas just responded. So I think in light of that, I think Red Bull and Verstappen in particular can, can be happy with how that went. Um, you know, yeah, I, I th- <laughs> they've both had engine penalties now and the difference is still t- minute, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, but I think overall they, they'll they be okay with how that, that weekend went. They'll obviously want to take the win, but looking at their relative pace, and, you know, I think if it had been a dry race, then there's every chance Hamilton could have cruised past Perez and Verstappen fairly easily. Um, not that we'll ever have a dry race in Turkey. It's not allowed. Banned. Um, but yeah, so I think I think they can be fairly fairly pleased with how that weekend went and the result. I know they didn't gain in the constructors, but from a drivers' championship point of view, um, I don't think Verstappen can complain too much. What do you think, Sam? Do you think Verstappen should be happy with how that weekend transpired? Yeah, a hundred percent. At the end of the day, his championship goal every single race is to beat Lewis Hamilton. If he keeps beating Lewis Hamilton, whether it be by one place or by three places or by ten places, he will eventually go on to win the title. That is the goal that he needs. I'm sure he'd love to get the Constructors' title alongside with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, but I, I bet Christian Horner cares a little more about that one than Max. Max wants to be a world champion. And Max needs to beat the seven-time world champion to do so. And when you turn up on Friday and you realise that this Mercedes advantage that they've had is quite possibly the biggest they've had all season... And you know that Mercedes are so confident in their pace that they go, give Lewis the penalty that early on in the weekend. And he takes pole by that margin. And you come away with the championship lead. I think you've got to be pretty happy with it. Bottas was absolutely flying in a car that suited that track absolutely down to the ground. And yeah, I'm sure Max probably would have looked at Bottas and pole in these conditions and thought, if I'm going to beat anyone in that Mercedes right now, I'm glad it's not Hamilton that's on P1. I'm glad it's Bottas because I've got a chance here. So I'm sure he'll be a little bit gutted to see how well Bottas got away and actually did a, a brilliant performance. But um, yeah, finishing second, taking away 18 points, moving ahead of Hamilton by six points in the championship. This has been a very good weekend for Red Bull when, when realistically they don't have the car to go on and dominate here. And I think actually Perez did, Hamilton, did Verstappen a massive favour by defending against Hamilton. I think that that was really the telling point there. So maybe Verstappen could buy Perez a little beer later on. Yeah, I think for Max, this has been a pretty, you know, a 9 out of 10 weekend. Of course, the 10 out of 10 will be to take the win. But I think he's got absolutely everything else that he needs other than that extra couple of points for the victory. Uh, whether he will be or not, I'm not sure. But he should be absolutely delighted with how that race weekend went because he had... You know, on pure pace alone, he had no right to beat either Mercedes driver. Uh, of course, the way that it worked out, you know, Bottas and Mercedes, they they had the advantage, even in even in wet conditions, which I actually think proves that if it was dry conditions, Bottas might well have won that race by double the amount again, knowing what we know in terms of Verstappen's usual pace in, in wet conditions versus Bottas's usual pace in wet conditions. So I, I actually think the wet conditions might well have pulled them a little bit closer together, proving that Mercedes always had the edge on them here. Um, and ultimately, Lewis Hamilton, I'll go back to what I said earlier, Lewis Hamilton starting P11 in that car in dry conditions, I think he gets back on the podium, if not P2. And if he gets to P2, he probably gets P1 as a result of a switcheroo. So um, 
I actually think that they can be Red Bull and Verstappen can be absolutely delighted with how this race weekend has gone. I actually think just outside of the Mercedes versus Red Bull battle specifically, I actually think he can be pretty happy to finish ahead of Leclerc as well because I honestly think in dry conditions, Charles Leclerc might have had him. And I think given the way that Ferrari set up their car, Leclerc was the fastest guy in the speed traps all weekend long. I don't think Verstappen would have got past... I don't think Verstappen would have got past Leclerc if Leclerc had managed to get ahead at the start or at another point in the Grand Prix. I think Leclerc would have had too much top speed. So I think he can actually be pretty happy that he's finished ahead of Leclerc, not just Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton made up six positions, 11th to 5th, but I think you've got to take that on a, on a track where I think Mercedes have probably had the biggest advantage at this track than at any other track for quite a long time. And if we look at the last race, where again it was a damage limitation race, but in reverse, Verstappen's able to get to P2 on another Mercedes circuit. We're now coming up to some races here where... Red Bull will probably fancy their chances. Maybe not Austin next time out. Not sure about that one, but definitely Mexico and Brazil. They'll like their chances to extend that lead. And I said, I said a, a few races ago that I honestly think this stretch of Mercedes tracks, including this one, including Sochi, including Monza and Spa, although they didn't have, they couldn't have done too much about Spa. I think those races, the fact that they haven't been able to capitalize on them, is going to cost them. I, I still do believe that, at least in terms of the Drivers' Championship. Maybe not the Constructors, but yeah, I think Verstappen should be absolutely delighted. Other side of the garage, Sergio Perez returns to the podium for what I believe was the third time this season. So he hasn't made much of a habit of it this year, but he's back on there with a P3 today. Sam, good race for him, do you think? Yeah, I think I think the whole Red Bull team should be absolutely delighted. They came into this race weekend and they knew the pace wasn't going to be fantastic. But I think Friday practice and then qualifying really cemented the fact that the uh, the pace wasn't there. So to see both cars on the podium, especially when Leclerc was so far up the road at one point from Perez, is absolutely stellar. Perez's defence against Hamilton was stout, it was strong, it was fair, it was clean. And uh, we'll sing a Mercedes and a Red Bull go wheel to wheel and no one came off the track. So, you know, that's always tasty. Um, even if you did have to cut the white line on the pit lane entry, which... Uh, no one brought up at all. I know they spoke about the fact that he did it, but I'm surprised there was not even a mention of a um, uh, a warning or something along those lines. But Perez did absolutely every single thing that he could do to keep Hamilton behind. He massively helped Red Bull, picks up his podium position in a track where he clearly seems to be all right at. You know, we look at last season as well, and he did very strongly here. And wet weather is not often Perez's uh, strongest point. So... Um, yeah, I think Perez can be really buoyed by this. I think this is a really positive performance after what we've seen. In fact, I think this is his first podium since France, maybe something around that time period. Uh, maybe the win in Baku. Um, it's been a while, so the guy is definitely decided to, to pick it up. Hopefully it extends for the rest of the season and we get a very close battle between both Mercedes and both Red Bulls for the last few races of the season. Harry, were you impressed by Perez? Yeah, I think it was a it was a much better weekend for for Checo. Um, I think he, you know, this uh, I know in the race he still was a, a fair bit behind, not a fair bit, but he was behind for Stappen. Um, but I think this weekend he's been closer in terms of performance, and that you know they were saying in practice because it's a bit more understeery this circuit, and obviously Verstappen doesn't like that. So you know it's clear when Checo has a car which is more suited to him, he can be 
the driver they want they want him to be. So um, yeah, I thought it was it, it, he did exactly the job that they needed him to do. It was like France. Um, yeah, the the battle with with Hamilton and keeping Hamilton at bay, um, which I didn't think that was gonna. You know, they had a tasty little battle, didn't they? But then I thought, oh, give it another lap or two, and Hamilton will get past. And then and then he didn't. So. Yep, that's exactly what they they hired him to do, and a race where tire conservation was key. Um, Checo Perez was the perfect person to be in that second Red Bull. Um, so yeah, I think it, they, he can be very very pleased with that, um, and it was good to see him on the pace. And like Sam said, he's not been brilliant in the wet conditions this year. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was good to see. Yeah, in my view. That holding off of Lewis Hamilton was the best thing that Sergio Perez has done all year. And I would include his win in Baku in that as well. I think that was the best thing he's done. Now, the win in Baku was impressive, but he did inherit it. Whereas this was a positive action from Perez, which I do actually think contributed quite a lot to the overall race. We saw that Max Verstappen, when he went into the pits, he came out marginally ahead of Sergio Perez and then Lewis Hamilton. I think if Lewis Hamilton gets past, I don't know whether they make that decision to go and box him. I, I think they actually keep him out in that spot and that might not have resulted in P2. Who knows? I think that could well have turned the, the entire race on its head if Hamilton gets past Perez. And it's not only the fact that he didn't get past, it's also the fact that the battling itself cost Hamilton a lot of time. The two of them battling did slow each other up a little bit and that allowed Verstappen to have that pit stop gap over both drivers, allowed him to very comfortably finish P2. Again, don't know how that goes down if Hamilton gets past Perez and they're looking at the time saying, well, if Verstappen, if we box him now, he might come out behind Hamilton. What if those intermediate tyres hold on? What if he can actually keep the position ahead of him? Are we going to throw away points? So because of Perez holding it up, they don't have to go through that whole uh, decision-making process. He was he was great out there. Um, that is easily one of his best races of the season so far. And I think overall, it, it's, a, it's a big favour in his cap because... I'm not sure whether other drivers who would have been in contention for that seat would have got the elbows out as much as Perez did there and kept him behind. I I think he did a great job. Now, one team we want to speak about um, is Ferrari because they seem to have very good pace here this weekend and for the most part, they put together a pretty good result. Carlos Sainz recovered from P19 to P8 for four points. Charles Leclerc on the verge of a podium for much of the race, just about finished off it for 12 points. Uh, And even so, they are just single digits away from McLaren. I think it's about seven points or so between the two constructors. So, Sam, do you think, based on what Ferrari were able to do this weekend, should they feel pretty confident in their battle against McLaren with just six races to go? I don't understand Ferrari. I know that's quite a vague thing to say, but... They're so good in some places, and then they are absolutely rubbish in other places, and the tracks that they are both good on and they're rubbish on don't make any sense. They're great around Monaco, which is incredibly aerodynamic-based, but then they were fantastic, both Science and Leclerc, around Turkey, which I would identify as a power track. So... It's confusing. Also, I think um, what Ferrari have done is they've been a little bit more consistent with their just 
normal point scoring from both drivers. Um, yes, both drivers have picked up a couple of podiums. They have been brilliant all season. I'm really enjoying that Ferrari pairing. Uh, but I think McLaren are actually the ones that are letting themselves down a little bit here. I think that McLaren, they've got a race wing. You know, they had a, they a one-two. Uh, they've had Norris, who stuck it on the podium multiple times. But yet, there's only a few points between both teams. And I think Ferrari, if they continue to just chip away, keep putting their drivers, let's say every race, 5th and 6th, 5th and 6th, 5th and 6th, I do think they are going to be able to mitigate the two or three big results that um, McLaren are able to get hold of. Ricardo is letting the side down over at McLaren, and we saw it today. He was not good enough for the entire race. Yes, even with that changing strategy being the first to put on the new intermediates, he never really got it much further than he should have done. And Norris, again, wasn't really on the pace today. Hamilton absolutely blitzed past him, whereas Yuki Tsunoda did a much better job at holding him back. Um, and Ferrari were able to really capitalise with both drivers. So... I think Ferrari can feel confident. I think Ferrari can feel excited by the last few races. And I think if they can be calm, if they can stop relying on their drivers to make all the strategy calls for them and actually think ahead for a moment, they could actually come out with some really good results. And third place could be theirs, which I think would be a fantastic turnaround after what happened last season. So, yeah, this is a bit of a weird one. I, I didn't expect Ferrari to be this close to McLaren after what we've seen in the last few races. Um, McLaren, ironically, could have had maybe two or three wins in the last few Grand Prix, and they haven't. They've only got the one. So I think McLaren have let themselves down, or I think Ferrari have just been quietly plucking away in the background. So, yeah, I think it's going really well. They should be excited. I think third place is definitely an option out for grabs. I mean, over, overhauling a, a single points deficit in six races with two drivers versus two drivers, it's certainly doable. No doubt about that whatsoever. And actually, I think... Uh, early prediction for Austin I think they will get into third by the end of the US Grand Prix or at least they should do McLaren were never going to have a good race here at Istanbul just based on their their car and what it's good at and what it's not good at they don't like they don't like long corners they just they look at them and go no don't like you at all nah not not fancying it Um, and that doesn't bode particularly well for Austin you know if you think about sector one it's pretty quick corners i don't think they're gonna be very quick through the first sector in austin and actually towards the end of the lap as well you've got that sort of triple right hander before the last two corners i I don't think they'll fare too well there either they do have a one massive long straight that they should be pretty good at but i actually think austin is going to be pretty similar to what we've seen here in that i think they will be up against it i don't necessarily hold it against mclaren lando norris didn't hold hamilton back at all um, I think McLaren were, and this is strange to say, I think McLaren were the slowest teams, as uh, were the slowest team in a straight line this weekend. I think just because of how they set up the car to account for what they believe to be a lack of downforce, um, it, it caused Norris to be the slowest car in a straight line. So I, did, I wasn't surprised to see Hamilton blitz by him. Um, but what. So I think overall, Ferrari definitely have a chance to beat McLaren. The problem is. It's Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> I dare. I don't want to say that Ferrari should be favourites to finish third. No, I do want to say it because they are. They should be favourites to finish third. But it's Ferrari. They will find a way to lose. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to come. You don't know how they're going to do it. But it's Ferrari. They'll find a way to suck because they're Ferrari. Honestly. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like even today you think, well, Carlos signs, he's making a great run back through the field. Hang on, let's let's just hold our driver here for a few seconds. Eight second pit stop. Good job, guys. Wait, this isn't two thousand. You're not refueling, you morons. Come on. <laughs> and then and then obviously Charles Leclerc is on the podium prior to any strategic decisions. After strategic decisions, Charles Leclerc is not on the podium. How did that happen? Ferrari. Honestly, um, they'll find a way to mess things up somehow. But at least in terms of pace, in terms of the drivers that they've got, they've got a good chance of finishing P3. Harry, do you have confidence in Ferrari? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're absolutely bang on about... uh, I think Ferrari have the overall quicker car. But I trust McLaren more to execute these last races better even if their car isn't you know well suited to the likes of um of of uh cota but yeah i i absolutely agree with what you said there i think it's um ferrari could should be the favorites i think they're more consistently in the points as sam said whereas mclaren have got a few big results in there obviously one of them being a win um and a few podiums but yeah uh theoretically ferrari should be the ones who who come away at the end of this year in third but like you said it's uh it's ferrari and and as much as as fast as charles leclerc is and and carlos Sainz for that matter there would <laughs> there would be something that that gets in the way of him winning or getting on the podium um yeah but anyway i i you know i i totally agree totally agree with what you said i think ferrari should be the ones in you know, the favourites going going into these last or the remaining races of the year. Um but I just trust the structure, the management structure at McLaren and, you know, Sochi aside, they've made some good calls this year. So I yeah, I just kinda of trust them more to, to bring home the uh, the bacon. Or the veg- vegetarian bacon. That's the second time I've said that in two podcasts. Yeah. I'll find something else to bring home next time. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> shopping with harry a new segment on the podcast <laughs> yeah what am i gonna buy this week probably a brunch bar because because you're yeah. boring come on Newt, Newt, <laughs> Grain, if you want to sponsor the podcast please get in touch i'm well up for it yeah but brunch bars are from cabbies yeah. mate oh, well, yeah but a brunch us. bar is a, is a type of bar. food is, i get that they call their brunch bars it's... brunch bars but you also just have the... no no i'm being very oh, specific God. about Cadbury's brunch bars and not the raisin ones they can get in the bin I mean the chocolate chip <laughs> obviously the chocolate chip ones the raisin ones are the worst thing ever created Lewis Hamilton is a chocolate chip Cadbury's brunch bar is the king um, yeah Cadbury's get, get in touch yeah, Nikita Mazabin some raisin ones <laughs> it's like egg with a raisin brunch bar <laughs> again I've got nothing against brunch bars but Here we go. comparing one of the greatest drivers in the world to a brunch bar is insulting. It's one of the greatest snacks in the world, Ben. <laughs> I feel sorry for you and your life, Harry, honestly. <laughs> what a sad little life, Harry. <laughs> what, what a sad oh, little sorry. life. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> for God's sake, this bloody podcast. Honestly, sometimes this podcast, all the time, this podcast, it's, uh, it's a whirlwind. Time. Every time. And never a good podcast. one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last, uh, last topic for today. Going into turn one, we saw, at least in qualifying, pretty much everyone at one point 
run deep into turn one. So as they were all lining up on the grid, I'm thinking there is no chance they all make it through turn one without any damage. And actually the carnage was probably less than I expected, but there was still an incident and that was Pierre Gasly and Fernando Alonso, two drivers who qualified very well on the Saturday, they collided. Pierre Gasly went along okay. Fernando Alonso fell back about 10 positions or so. It was Fernando Alonso that was spun around. The stewards decided a five-second grid... Uh, sorry, a five-second time penalty was the right call for Pierre Gasly. Sam, right call, wrong call? Well, we just spoke about brunch bars, and the perfect accompaniment to a brunch bar is a sandwich, and Pierre Gasly was in a sandwich, as he declared very grumpily over the radio. Um... I think this is a terrible call. I think Gasly can't go anywhere on the inside. He's got a Red Bull coming up, coming up his inside. You don't just stick a wheel into Cop's corner. Uh, well, Sergio Perez stuck a wheel in the inside of, of Turkey Turn 1, and it worked out for him because he moved himself into a very strong position. But what's Gasly going to do at this point? He's got Fernando Alonso, two-time world champ, going around his outside, which he's already started breaking at this point, so he can't suddenly adjust the speed of the car there. Um, Fernando, of course, is being outrageously creative and brilliant to try and make up places at the start. We all know that Fernando loves the start of a Grand Prix. I bet Lance Stroll just watches Fernando Alonso's previous clips so he gets his mega starts. Um, And Perez is coming down your inside. So there's a little tag there. And it is the lightest of tags. It's just very unfortunate that it's on a damp trap, that's on the wet line, that's curbing. No damage was incurred. And it's lap one and I don't understand this precedent that for the last maybe season season and a half we've seen the thought process from the stewards that you know 95% of incidents on lap one unless they're incredibly serious are waved off as racing incidents because these things happen when that many cars are that close together and I will hark back to Charles Leclerc tagging the inside of Lance Stroll in Russia on lap one further into the lap on lap one and got absolutely not even a remote warning from the steward for exactly the same type of incident I would argue that actually um, Lance Stroll and Charles Leclerc have more space and time to deal with something at that point as well so I think five seconds here is harsh I, I don't think it should have been looked into investigating if we're going on what the stewards have previously if we had had seen five second time penalties for first lap incidents everywhere else across the entire season, I'd be alright with it. But this just feels a little bit tough for, for Gasly. I don't think this one was deserved. Harry, penalty? Not a penalty. No, not a penalty. Uh, a bizarre one. And and it was clear, even though we, didn't, we had some limited replays of it, to be honest, but it was clear that he was in a sandwich um, and and he didn't have anywhere to go and I don't think Alonso should be blamed for being there because I think it was, a good, it was ambitious but it was a good move and I think if they'd all got through the corner it would have it would have stuck for him um, but equally Perez didn't have anywhere to go as well because he, he did have a cheeky Checo Perez on the inside so don't understand why there's a penalty at all it's not the same as and I know precedents are a badge to go with on penalties but it's not the same as um Alonso absolutely ramming poor old Mick Schumacher, and that gets the same penalty. So how does that? I don't see understand how that works. And then you go to, you know, earlier on in the year, Charles uh, wrecking ball Leclerc at uh, the Styrian GP when he when he ran into almost everyone, including Pierre Gasly, on lap one and absolutely wrecked his race. Didn't get anything. So I don't quite understand. It's just well, it's a, we say it every time. It's just no consistency, and I, I don't quite. It's almost as if 
they were like, well, we've got to give a penalty to Alonso for ramming Mick, but he was already spun around in the same way, so we better give a penalty to Gasly. I was like, well, no, they're two different incidents. The Alonso one on Mick Schumacher, fair. The other one, not fair, because it's not the same situation, and there's not much Gasly could have done. So, um, <sighs> stewards. stewards. Put stewards. us in the box, I swear. Come on. I swear. You'd all have penalties. If you, if you know what's good for you, F1, you will completely ignore what Sam just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've always had kind of a theory that on lap one of a race, Charles Leclerc, let's say, could get out of his car, grab Yuki Tsunoda, force him out of his car, perform a tombstone pile driver on the on the on the track. <laughs> Poor Yuki. <laughs> and the stewards would probably say, you know what, it's lap one. We'll let it slide. It's sure, all right. right. Mm. And then suddenly, Pierre Gasly nudges Fernando Alonso, and it's like, well, that's a five-second penalty, isn't it? Get slapped, son. <laughs> Usually you could get away with murder on the first lap, and then suddenly it's like, well, no, Pierre, you can't, you can't do that, mate. Maybe they just didn't see that Perez was also on his inside. Yes, if you're being picky, he probably had a little bit more space to work with. And there was a touch of understeer into Alonso, sure. But it's it's turn one, lap one, three wide, and he's in the middle of it. Come on. Did, did uh, Ocon, or who, whichever Renault turned the other Renault around last year, it was a very similar incident because they had Hamilton on the inside. Did that... Renault get no, a penalty. No, to my knowledge, there were no penalties given for that lap one incident. It's exactly the same incident. Yeah, well, I think yeah, the only like difference is that Ham- Hamilton nudged the Renault, whereas Perez didn't nudge Gasly. But yeah, it, it, you know, pretty much copy and paste, no penalty given. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, then on that on this basis, then maybe Hamilton should have got the penalty uh, in that incident if he's what he's the, the first nudger of the uh, nudging chain. <laughs> um, <laughs> but well, I don't which. I don't agree with that at all, but that's what we're saying here, which is just... Yeah. All oof. aboard the nudge okay. chain. <laughs> <laughs> I've jumped off the body type train. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. Jeez. It's not a, not a good phrase. Honestly, yeah. I, I, maybe, and I've got a theory here, the, the stewards actually listen to our podcast and have heard us over the last year complaining about how they will let anyone get away with anything on the first lap. So the second there's an incident, they're like, we've got to keep the late-breaking guys happy. We'll, we'll penalise him. That's, That's not it. what we meant, guys. We know, we know you're listening. That's not what we meant. Cool. Michael, just come on to the show and we'll have a chat and we'll sort it all out, all right? It's okay. We'll get you a brunch bar. What do you reckon the easiest way oh. to contact Michael is? Email? I reckon shouting. <laughs> yeah. Michael.massey Stewards.com. FIA.com. Ooh. What do we reckon? Oh. Let's F1. send off a group F1. email with all of them in and see which one comes back. All right. It's going to be interesting to find that out. So we'll, we'll get on that now as we'll depart from this podcast episode. We'll be back midweek, of course, where, as we reference, we might well be talking about. Andretti potentially entering Formula One, and I'm sure some other interesting topics as well. But until then, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here, folks, Valtteri Bottas has won a race. It's happened. Uh, I have to now wallow in my loss and not be a sore loser. Um, if you do want to get involved with the silly forfeit choosing, then again, get down in the Discord. It's in the description of the podcast that you are listening to with your ears. 
Uh, come and join the lovely community. They're all... Oh, my voice is going. They're all absolutely lovely over there. Um, let us know what you think of the race. Give us a shout over on Twitter, at LBreaking. We're always chatting over there as well. Lots of silliness, lots of racing analysis. Um, usually more silliness, though. Uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hit the follow button if you're, if you're new around here. We're here literally every single Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday. And we always do a review after every single race as well. So for all your silly F1 content, please... Stick all around because we love having you here. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Harry. And remember, keep breaking late. Choo choo, mother nudges! Forties! <laughs>